Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Monday, January 6th, 2020. Hey, now. And uh, Michigan State is now 4-0 in their last four games against the University of Michigan in men's basketball. John, with that, welcome to the new year. How does it feel? Sometimes, you know, it's a new year, but some things just don't change. Five days of sports results. Five pretty good ones. Five days worth. I mean, Feeling confident about them. to this point, Spartans, both in college and in, in the professional ranks, are having a, a pretty solid year thus far. My favorite basketball team has never lost this decade. Wow. Other teams can't say that. Michigan State, undefeated in the 20s. The roaring 20s, indeed. It feels very good. I will say that. Um, So, go ahead. We're we're leaning heavy into the hoops, but unfortunately, there we got to talk about some other stuff before we save the best for last. How do you feel about that? Yeah, no, that's fine. I just wanted to start everybody off with the happy stuff before we had to talk about other programs that also exist within the Michigan State umbrella. Yeah, well, technically, Michigan State football is undefeated in this decade. Yep, that's that's a fact. So far, twenty twenty has been a buy. And uh, we are we have, we we unlike the 2019 bye weeks, we've won this bye week to date. Yet, could change. Um, unfortunately, Michigan State's season ended with a game against something called a Wake Forest. Yes, indeed. And and said Forest um, a little sleepy through the game, if you ask me, losing to a. An atrocious Michigan State offense overall <laughs> through the season, twenty-seven to twenty-one. I award us no points for being <laughs> for beating a thing called the Demon Deacons. Yeah, it, I mean, listen, know. John, you, it's hard. It says a lot when you really are trying to sell a bowl win over a eight-win ACC team. Like you're. You know, you're just asking a lot of people to be like, wow, that really is something that we should make a T-shirt and or hat about and write to people about and just put words on paper talking about. Um, I feel like I'm at a holiday party and they're like, oh, <clears throat> you beat an eight-win ACC team? Surely it was a team I've heard of. Florida <laughs> State, maybe? No. Clemson, well, perhaps? Maybe, maybe Miami. Florida. No. <laughs> well, I can't think of any other. Um, surely it wasn't Clemson. Oh, absolutely not. No, 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 no. Um, 
it was it was the fourth most likely team for you to remember in the state of North Carolina. That is <laughs> Davidson. No. Uh, no, it wasn't an Appalachian <laughs> State. No. Uh, it was it's the one with the name of the town that it's not in. Yeah. Um, and, like, I take no pride in this. No. And I, and here's why. I know I'm being really harsh I'm being harsh about this. But it's like, let's, let's rewind back to August. And we were like, you know, I feel like the pulse on the team was worst case scenario 84. Right. Yep. And and the season ends, you know, winning. I mean, it could have been worse. Could have lost to Wake Forest. <laughs> but, but I mean, who would lose to Wake Forest? And, Honestly, you know, it's just not going to happen. Um, but I mean, the good news from this game, um, there was some young talent that uh, had some action. Um, you know, the the careers of some folks who we do really do adore. Uh, ended on a high note. Um, beyond that, there are some definite takeaways, but do you have any thoughts on the game, Austin? Yeah, I mean, it was exactly how you described it. It just seemed like a big, stupid game that didn't really need to happen, but it did, and both teams seemed to, to feel that way. I, I think the positive takeaways were that, you know, like you said, it was fun to see some of these seniors go out with a bang. Brian Lewerke looked as good as he's looked, and I would argue in two years in this game. He completed 26 of 37, 320 yards and a touchdown, and also was running around and, and using his legs to great effect, which when he was at his best as a Spartan, he, he always did well. He had 46 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Um, was finding his favorite receiver in Cody White for eight catches, 97 yards and a touchdown. I thought Trenton Gillison was a big... Uh, almost a revelation in this game. It was nice to see the tight ends get involved. He had four catches for 88 yards and that one big 64-yard seam play down the middle where I I don't I still do not understand what the Wake Forest player was doing. He did the safety bit as hard as you've ever seen anybody bite into anything. Um, so offensively, again, it, like you said, it was a bit of a youth movement that got served. Uh, Jalen Naylor, Trey Mosley each had at least four catches. Lewerke, Collins, and Williams all had solid days on the ground. Obviously, Lewerke leaving, but Collins and Williams will be probably the one-two punch next year. Um, You know, on defense, Noah Harvey, I think, was a huge bright spot with 14 tackles. That's a name that you'll you'll see quite a bit next year. Um, And, you know, they did a lot to slow down the, the rushing attack of Wake Forest, which they ran like the Le'Veon Bell style fake the the handoff and just stand in the backfield for like four seconds and then decide where to run. I actually thought it was pretty fun to watch, but um, it was, it was wild. I just want you to think about that in a brainstorm. Yeah. Like the off, someone's like, okay, instead of immediately going to the creases available, we're going to just stand there. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, like somebody is at the, at the, somebody standing there a marker at the whiteboard and is like, yeah, we're going to put that one in the parking lot. I don't yeah. know about that idea. <laughs> we're gonna... yeah. Instead of going forward, what if we don't do that? And they're like, oh, you mean go backwards to go forwards? No, 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 no. Stand don't move still. at all. <laughs> kind of hide. Just, like, just hide stay right where you are. <laughs> Are you high? <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah. So Michigan. I don't know. I mean, listen. It's a bowl game. It's a win. Obviously, it's better to finish over five hundred than under five hundred. But it, in in special salute at the end. Oh, it, you know. Obviously, Mike Panashuk's pick six was was tremendous fun. 
Um, but shout outs again, just to the careers. We'll name a couple guys just because they deserve it. Despite the up and downs in their careers, these guys were great individual contributors and, you know, teammates. And it's Brian Lewerke, Kenny Willekes, Joe Bocci, Raekwon Williams, Mike Panashuk, uh, Daryl Stewart, uh, Josiah Scott, while not graduating uh, with these seniors, declared go- to go pro, um, which kind of leads us into you know where we're going but first like shout out to all those guys but but moving forward um we talk about 2020 and what that means for this program and first and foremost we won't spend too much time here because i don't really know what there is to talk about and which is part of the problem but we sit here on january 6th and no staff turnover today um that is anything we say in regards to that is just complete and total conjecture, total speculation. And, um, you know, we really don't know what to expect. I think at this point though, from a coaching staff perspective, I think it would be surprising if we see massive overhaul and we've talked about it on this program several times. Um, that is in my humble opinion, the worst case scenario i think we are we have entered it at this point you don't know if you've entered it yet but if you continue on the way this looks you will look back on 2018 and say okay that's when michigan state truly entered the death spiral of a program it's it's laughable dude like it's laughable like the defense you know took a small step back last year um the offense took a small step forward, but don't confuse those two comments because going from top 10 nationally to top 30 nationally is still fine. Going from, you know, a hundred and from the 120th in the nation to the hundred and hundredths in the <laughs> nation, that's not a big enough leap. And it's like, okay. You know, I love analogies. Okay. It's like if you had the toddler, you had a toddler in your potty training them. <laughs> and you're like, all right, why don't you go in there and do your business? And you go in and you see, and you like, th- you, sh- you shit on the floor. That's <laughs> not good. That's, in fact, that's bad. But we're going to, you were, this is new. We're going to try it again. And the next day, you know, the next we come back. And they come out and they're like, how'd it go? And they're like, it got better. And you walk in and this time they shit on the seat. And you're like, they're like, but it was closer. It's better. (laughs) And it's like, but no, it's not. It's not though. It's still shit. It's still a shitty mess. And it what just because it's a little bit, I guess, closer doesn't solve the problem that we were trying to solve. So D'Antonio bringing it back bringing it all back i just am afraid to walk in the bathroom again um this time next year because i'm pretty sure i know what i'm gonna find and i don't like to look at the mess yeah i mean that's a great analogy and it unfortunately it just sort of hits the nail on the head i mean this program is in a place where i don't think anybody expected it to get to under mark d'antonio and and you know if there's no major coaching turnover, you can't possibly, given as we work our way into talking about the roster briefly, you can't get into next year looking at the schedule, which 
is is sight unseen, it's a Big Ten schedule. It's going to be difficult. Michigan State's is particularly difficult. And their non-conference is difficult and includes uh, teams like Miami and BYU, neither of which are had banner years this past year. But you got to go to Utah, and then you got to host the U, who always starts hot and fades towards the end. And is going to be pissed because they only won six games this year. They looked awful all season, but well, they're you know they let go of their offensive coordinator. Yeah, Dan you know, Daniel Enos, the greatest con artist of all time. They are. He, he'll they end are. up in East Lansing. If I had to put money on something, it would be Dan Enos being the new like offensive passing games coach or something stupid like that because he has managed to fail upwards. Ever since he left East Lansing, legitimately, ever since he went to Central, he has failed upwards everywhere he's gone. He has yet to be successful. He's been at, like, Arkansas, Bama, and the U. I don't understand it. I mean, they're respect. Gonna be like, dude, they're going to be like, good news, coaching changes. And we're like, yeah. yeah. Bad news. It's Dan Enos is the new offensive coordinator. And yeah, and guess what? Dan Roshar is the defensive coordinator because <laughs> F you. <laughs> Dude, I will get into rock collecting, I swear to God. Oh, yeah, please. I just, I, I'll get into rock collecting and then ask someone to throw them all at my head. Please uh, <laughs> take all of these I've collected and drop them all at once. <laughs> I've collected all these rocks, and I've rented out this 15th-story apartment. I'd like for you to drop them out the window and onto my head. Thank you. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I feel. Um, but No funeral. And, no, nope, just just no coffin, please. Just wet, wet mud. Uh, <laughs> oh, but anyway, football. Um, let's briefly talk about the the roster itself. We'll start with the the defense because, as you alluded to, a lot of new faces. I think there's as many potentially as like nine new starters. You know, including at middle linebacker uh, David Dowell, another guy we should shout out for a good career. Uh, you know, we're, we're, you're talking about at least one safety, both corners, two linebackers, and three defensive linemen. You do the math. I'm not smart enough to d- do that simple addition right now. Um, that is a lot of people and a lot of really good, not just players, but really good players, impact players that you're replacing. And, you know, there are some faces that we've seen that, that you'll recognize. I mean, the fact that Antoine Simmons is coming back is a big deal, but... Uh, a lot of new faces, and given what we've seen on the other side of the ball the last handful of years, uh, expecting a decent step back from that defense leaves a razor-thin margin for error to even get back to the 7-6 and six mark of this year. Do you think that's a fair stance? Absolutely. I mean, the uh, as you mentioned, the schedule uh, does get more difficult. I mean... <laughs> Um, not even subjectively, if you look at lineup, this past year's opponents' records, they went 83 and 70, um, including games against Michigan State. And next year, uh, those teams, the teams Michigan State plays, went 89 and 64. So they are, you know, six games better. Um, that's a, that is a that is a leap. And then you have to say this defense best case scenario like perfect case scenario is top 30 like maintains even though everyone is a new face and then you have um an offense that frankly hasn't proven itself now you do have a lot of returners but and you don't have but you don't have a quarterback um that has ever taken 
um, meaningful snaps. And I'll stop you before you correct me on the Rocky Lombardi. No, you know, no. he, he took meaningful snaps, but we, it's hard for me to see that guy be the guy. I'd love to be proven wrong. Well, I, I, I think you hit on uh, coaching changes aside, probably the biggest storyline of the offseason, and that will be who is the quarterback. I mean, Michigan State does still have scholarships to offer. Um, they did get a uh, they did get a quarterback re- commit in this class named Noah Kim from, I believe he's from Virginia, three-star kid, uh, who chose Michigan State over the likes of Virginia Tech. Um, but it's, yeah. I mean, you're you're looking at a group in Rocky Lombardi, Theo Day, Peyton Thorne, and Noah Kim, and there really isn't an obvious choice. Like you said, the snaps we've seen from Lombardi have been some decent, and but more often than not, not impressive. And that's not to say that he can't pull things together and have a really nice Spartan career. But to this point, you can't feel overly confident going into to next season. Um, I think it opens up an interesting possibility of a grad transfer. I mean, there are some, this has become common practice in college football. I mean, what, between Ohio State and what, Ohio State, uh, and then who's the other? There's another team in the playoff. Oh, LSU. Uh, both. And Oklahoma. Three of the four teams in the playoff had uh, grad, not grad transfer quarterbacks, but transfer portal quarterbacks. And so that's a very real market now. And there are some big names, including Jamie Newman from Wake Forest, who was actually like somewhat impressive in that game against Michigan State. And guys like K.J. Costello from Stanford. I mean, there are some, some big recruits that are out there that are available. Um, I, I know Michigan State hasn't really dabbled in it before. Obviously, they've got gotten transfers and grad transfers and things of that nature throughout D'Antonio's tenure. I think he started off with a couple of grad transfers in his first year. Um, and has a guy in Jaden Reed coming in from Michigan, uh, Western Michigan next year, who was a transfer. So he's played in that market several times. But this one in particular, I think, is a really – I don't. I mean, listen, if I'm an, another recruit, I'm not – one of these grad transfers, I'm not necessarily itching to play at Michigan State in that offense. But on the flip side of that, you see a massive opportunity. I mean, if you're trying to go get playing time somewhere and – you can provide a spark to this offense. I mean, you become a, a big deal right away. So I, I think it'll be this is it's probably the biggest storyline of the offseason aside from coaching changes. Yeah, I mean, and we'll be monitoring it, um, you know, as it goes. Um, for me, I would be surprised if we don't. I don't know. I would be surprised if it wasn't Rocky Lombardi in every yeah, so coach's, in every com- coach stays and like whatever man i'm i just i that broke me to say that but. yeah i mean the, the, you you're gonna have a tough time getting people excited and uh i i just i mean you're you're entering the, if, if if that's the case like if, if if that is really what you go into this year with where you're like we're doing status quo again the bottom's gonna keep falling out People are going to get the the calls that were loud already this year are going to get so much louder going into next year. And I just don't know. And again, it boils down to the the AD and the, the athletic department and leadership at Michigan State deciding whether that's something they want to do. Like, I, I honestly think part of this is like, let's just stay in a holding pattern until we get to a place where we've got the right regime in place to pick a new head coach, which is really sad. But you know, it seems like they're they're comfortable kind of just 
letting things flap in the wind until uh, the time comes. So, it, like you, like I said, I think this. If you don't make any changes, you're you're officially in the death spiral, and and I I don't see things getting a lot a lot better. So that was really fun and positive. So now let's talk about actual stuff that was kind of fun and positive, and let's talk about the the bowl games around the Big Ten, John. Let's do it. We'll blow so, through these because they're kind of old news at this point, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, just quickly, you know, there are a lot of Big Ten games. Um, the there are some actually some pretty good ones. The Big Ten had a not a great showing. Did an okay, did okay. Um, let's just let's do it chronologically. Um, the Holiday Bowl, I was yes. Beat the Go hell on out of USC. Boy, Go man. on. That's Frisky Iowa to you, John. That's ten win Frisky Iowa. To you. Too many. Too many wins. Too many. I, you know what? Here's the thing. I think you're right. That's too many wins. They Even for Frisky Iowa, 10 wins feels like a, a little, like, okay, guys, we get it. Well, they'll have a new quarterback next year. and they So with that positive momentum, but with new faces, they will start perfectly at 18, just as you oh, would think. It's, it's, it, is, it is known. It is written. <laughs> the Cotton Bowl... Penn State played uh, Memphis um, without their head coach, but and won fifty-three to thirty-nine. In a game that was really fun and exciting, uh, defense was optional. You know, whenever <laughs> you can, whenever you can drop ninety points in a game, that's I'm here you, for it. You should. And after this game, big development for Penn State is uh, KJ Hamler declaring and going pro. Yeah, he's he gone um, and. <laughs> Rumors of James Franklin on the NFL. Uh, watch oh, this. Do it. Do oh. it. Do it. Oh, I, I also read a Brett Bielema to the Lions rumor today and oh. almost almost had to change my pants. I was so excited. <laughs> that is the worst thing I've ever heard. Oh, it's awesome. fantastic. All right. Then the, uh, the Fiesta Bowl, the semifinal game, amazing game. Uh, Ohio State lost to Clemson um I think I can't remember the score uh but Ohio State was up 16 to nothing and blew it you know and you hate to see it oh Uh, I mean listen you talk about a plucky underdog scrappy feel-good story in a just a a small-time program like up-and-comer Ohio State yeah Uh, just having it ripped away from him um it felt so good to watch them lose. It's funny, like, I don't have this, like, vitriol and hatred for Ohio State because they beat Michigan every year in that field. So it's like they keep evil from spreading, so I can't hate uh-huh. them. But once it gets to, like, real stakes, and I'm like, oh, I might have to listen to these people that can only spell one word that's four letters long brag about how they won another championship, and I just, that's when I kind of want to hit myself over the head with a shovel. Um, so I root for the other team and listen, I don't want to hear any excuses from Ohio state fans. You guys straight up blew this game. The targeting call was the right call. You let Trevor Lawrence spring a 70 yard touchdown run on you and you didn't ice the game. (laughs) I mean, like, I I don't know what you want. Your, your quarterback threw a boneheaded interception at the end. You know, it's it, it's you. It all falls back on you. And uh, I know a lot of people do the whole conference pride. I should be rooting for 
the Big Ten. I have never believed in that, and I will never believe in that at the highest level. Like, I don't want those teams to win. When it comes to, like, Iowa and USC, of course I'm rooting for Iowa. That's fun. But when it's Penn State or Ohio State or Michigan, it, like, no. I'm not rooting for those teams. I want those teams to lose, and I want, I'd prefer them to get embarrassed. So uh, watching Ohio State lose in gut-wrenching fashion was was enjoyable for me. Team Petty, forever yeah, and always. For sure. I, I want to clarify something for all the uh, folks who think they need to root. I mean, if you want to root for the Big Ten, go nuts. I mean, whatever. Just note that if the, if the Big Ten never won another bowl game, never they are still going to be first in line to make the playoff yep. because of the money involved. 100%. It's just too much money. So we don't need to root for like the Big Ten to win games so that we get respect. and then Yeah, it's we not the BCS still... anymore. Doesn't matter. It's no. happening. We are the, the Big Ten, the conference is the most profitable conference. It, it's going to get a first dibs at the, the champion, excuse me, the playoff. So... I mean, that's why it makes it easy for me to root against Ohio State in these situations. Yeah, not that we need help. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> um, Illinois in the Red Box Bowl uh, is exactly who we thought they were and lost 35-20. to 20. This is the thing. I think, I'll be honest, the reason that I was so, um, so sad and whiny at the beginning of this podcast is I saw like quickly saw this score before we started recording <laughs> and I was like Michigan State lost to this team oh. like what the hell man? I thought it was going to be more of the fact that it's the red box bowl and I'm seeing all these crooked numbers and double digit scoring going on and it, <laughs> it just triggered me a little bit I'm used to the good old-fashioned seven to six red box bowls of yesteryear well, some teams, you know, play in the Red Box Bowl and go to the Rose Bowl the next year. Um, that would be Oregon yeah. beating Wisconsin 28-27. to 27. Oh. Uh, Bummer. That was hilarious to watch. Oh, man, that um, was foof. Did they blow it? I mean, <laughs> you don't turn the ball over. Five. The thing that's funny is, like, they were the better team in this game. Like, they, they oh, dominated the game. Team. They, they turned the ball four times. Four times. Yeah, you, you, it just doesn't happen. Like, they got into the whole, I'm sure the Wisconsin fan base right now is just livid about the fact they're handing it to wide receivers with seven minutes <laughs> left in the game instead of uh, literally one of the greatest running backs in collegiate history. Um, bad five is bad. Yeah, that, that, was, that was bad. I mean, credit to Oregon. They were given opportunities to get back in this game, and they did. Um, but boy, that, that like, listen, Wisconsin losing the Rose bowl is, is no new thing for you guys. So, you know, whatever, just, just another loss, but, uh, oh, good. but the other funny part about that to me <laughs> was that Oregon's, you know, NFL quarterback prospect ran for three touchdowns. Right. I know. Yeah. Hell yeah. Jordan, by the way, I've come all the way around on Herbert. I want nothing to do with him at the professional <laughs> level. <laughs> so far out. The, the, they're like the four games I've watched him play have been the Red Box Bowl where he was bad. This game where he uh, ran for more touchdowns than he threw by a lot. And then I think I watched him blow it against Auburn earlier this year. Like, every okay. time I watch him, I'm like, oh, that was bad. 
So Dude, I, I don't know. I can't guarantee more. There will be an AFC South team oh, that drafts him. Man, does he have does he have uh, Ryan Tannehill protege written all over him, or is it just me? <laughs> this guy couldn't be more Jacksonville Jaguars next year. Oh, starting. He he feels like a Titan to me. Like he okay. really like okay. like that uniform just feels horribly correct on him. <laughs> so uh, moving on. Um, Minnesota kind of beat the hell out of Auburn, thirty-one to twenty. I mean, wow! I know, Peach, the real. I mean, that's like Minnesota was like this fun story before. No, Flucky. No, I'm just, but like beating, and I know it's it's like you know freshman quarterback, all that stuff. Dude, you beat Auburn in the Outback Bowl. You, You know, it's reminiscent of when Michigan State beat Georgia. All They're those awesome, years man. ago, yeah, they really are, and it's um, it's fun to to watch. But man, that one that caught me by surprise. I did. I thought they were going to get to use a pun boat raced uh, in oh, this man. one. But listen, went over an SEC team, I and mean, PJ's going to have that recruiting rolling. I, I I don't think he's getting any big offers this year. But man, if they run it back and have another good season, I can't imagine being a big program and not calling PJ Dude, Fleck. PJ has. All right, I'm gonna. I haven't seen this anywhere yet. I'm starting the rumor here. Let's do it. PJ NFL. Ooh, I love it. I mean, this guy. I think it's a horrible be... fit, but I love it. Oh yeah, he'll be in so far over his head. Yeah, right, dude, someone. You, you can't sell. It's a Harbaugh thing. Like, although Harbaugh was more successful in the NFL, but he he would burn people out so fast. Oh my God, the shtick. Yeah, the shtick would get old. Like in college, you're only got to play with this guy for five years tops. The shtick is like you know you can deal with it. But in the NFL, like I know it's probably won't even play with him for that long. But like it's a grown man. I I can't imagine like sprinting out onto the field with the guys from like the no. Indianapolis Colts. I just don't know if it works. No, it's not going to work out. But that's just a made up scenario. I'm into it. Um, I'm super into it. Here's a. Thought you know you saw a lot of maybe if you're on online you saw a lot of people saying PJ was able to do things um, quicker than Harbaugh, hmm. um, which which I thought was interesting uh, as we transitioned because Michigan um, did something stupid and got ahead of Alabama <laughs> and then lost thirty five to sixteen in a game that I, I mean t- honestly Alabama looked maybe not fully engaged in the first half and then very engaged in the second. <laughs> yeah. And so, and Saban punched one in with 26 seconds left. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, Michigan fan writers finished essentially writing their version of defeated with dignity. Oh man. That yeah, was beautiful to watch. It, it, nothing has been more chef's kiss than that response to, Michigan losing that game like the the line in there was they proved they belonged or something like that it's like no what you did you didn't you lost 35 to 16 and you said like listen this game was they were winning at halftime and the game was still over you do not get to settle for three field goals in the first half yeah you you don't settle for field goals and beat Bama nobody does that 
No, nobody, you don't get to do that. You know why Bama lost games this year? Because LSU scored a shit ton of touchdowns on them. And I think it was Auburn scored touchdowns. These these teams didn't kick field goals. It's not. It's never been how you beat Bama. Even when they have a backup quarterback in the game, even when their starting middle linebacker has already decided to skip the game and go to the NFL, even when their best defensive back has done the same, their number one corner, Trevon Diggs, even in those situations, you can't kick field goals. And, and I'll give Michigan credit. In the first half, their offense looked really good. They were running the ball all over Bama. Second half, not so much. One team adjusts, the other didn't. As has been the story of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, this, uh, like, Michigan fans should not be surprised, disappointed, upset. They honestly shouldn't feel any way about this that they didn't feel going in. Like, you never stood a chance. You, you just didn't. You still you lost to the most talented team in the country, even with some backups in. Like, that's just, that's just what it is. I think the funny part afterwards to me was the finger pointing at Shea Patterson. Like, oh, Shea Patterson got the... The maybe no quarterback has gotten a more quintessential Michigan, like a true pure Michigan man experience than Shea Patterson, where he comes in with a disgusting amount of hype. He is like literally like bends the rules just to get onto the team and skip a year of redshirting. So he gets the preferential treatment. He comes in with all the hype. He never really lives up to it. And then he kind of starts actually living up to it when it doesn't matter, chokes in a huge game and then gets shellacked in his final bowl game and doesn't play well and goes from fan favorite, literally like millions of people saying he's going to win the Heisman. Some of the receipts are incredible to literally fans being like, he's the reason we were bad. No guys. No, that's not how it works. You're bad because that's just, you're just not, you're just not Bama. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, but you think you are, and you never have been, and you never will be. I love that Shay's the scapegoat. You uh, know it's, why. Oh, it's amazing. You know, I love that he's a scapegoat because it still it distracts from this amazing statistic. Are you ready? I am. I don't think I, I don't think I've shared this one with you. So, since Harbaugh has been at Michigan, five year, five year average, in the Big Ten. Okay. Yep. They have the exact same record as Iowa. Mm. But Iowa, I I, I rescind that. They have one less loss than Iowa, okay? But the difference is Iowa went to the Big Ten Championship. That was their loss. That was the extra game. So Michigan didn't do that. And what I'm sharing here and what I'm getting to is Michigan bought – Kirk Ferentz. Now uh-huh. Michigan has to decide. Michigan has to decide if they are comfortable with their version of Kirk Ferentz for the next twenty years. Iowa is, and there's nothing wrong with that. Iowa is happy with that. They are confident and comfortable winning nine to ten ga- games every year, and they've done it statistically. They've done it for the last five years, going back going back twenty years. They are averaging more than eight wins a game that's what they bought now michigan has to come to the the realization that that is what they bought there it doesn't get better okay so you got iowa but the difference is iowa went to a big 10 championship game and they beat ohio state so you're you gotta you gotta diet kirk ferentz at this point so 
what do you do from here? Because there's no such thing as this, the year six bump. Yeah. Okay. You're not a quarterback. It, this is it. This is it. Not and, in, you know, yeah. got to make a decision because that's where you're at. Diet Kirk. Um, khaki Kirk. Uh, yeah, that's, it's great. I love it. It's, it's honestly, it's my favorite thing. Watching them lose made Michigan State's season a little more easy to, to deal with. Um, hey I'll man, be honest. We've got our own problems, but... Um, no, I know. But, like, again, the Team Petty thing, like, watching them lose these games, watching them get the hopes up and then get dashed is is really still one of the fun parts of sports. The final game, and this was sad for me, I was rooting hard for nine oh. And they came up in spectacular Hoosier fashion, just short, losing to Tennessee 23-22, to up by 13 with five minutes to go, and losing. To Tennessee. To Tennessee. That's, that's what really makes this bad. Like, Indiana losing a game in spectacular fashion, Indiana football is like one thing, mm-hmm. but to Tennessee, like, oof, that's, that, that's tough. And honestly... You know, good for Indiana for winning eight games. I think they've actually got things kind of on the right path and had Michael Penix, Penix played. Uh, you know, you never really know where that season could have gone. They've got a good foundation, but to blow it like that to Tennessee is just is just tough. Big tough. Um, but hey, they can start anew next year with a new dream. It's true. Um, so thus ends the football season, mercifully, mercifully for the Michigan State fans. Um, until further notice, uh, our, our team's ceiling is seven wins. Yep. Um, and uh, I'm hoping that that ceiling changes because of some offseason um, adjustments. But until then, we will focus on our more lovable, beautiful. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Growing, prosperous uh, child. Our favorite child. The men's basketball who deserves our attention, Austin. Yes, this first 40 minutes has gone to, uh, you know, you've got several kids. There's always one troublemaker, so they always get the headlines first. But in reality, this is the A-plus student, the the golden child, if you will. And, And since we've last talked, well, since the Sarah's last talked to you guys, there have been three games. First of which was a 95-62 to win against Western Michigan. Won't spend a lot of time here. Um, this was the Foster game, John, so I'm going to let you take this. Gloat Big for a few game. minutes. So so late breaking news in that Cassius Winston wasn't going to play. Um, this game was never necessarily going to be in doubt, even if like Winston... The starting five wasn't starting. I still feel confident in the Michigan State winning, albeit much yeah. closer. Um, but yet this gave this thrust thrust Foster and and honestly Jack Hoiberg into the limelight and they thrived um, with 28 assists um, for the team 
nine total turnovers, but no turnovers from the point guards. Foster looked comfortable shooting. Um, the game was four for four touch, from deep. Yeah, was moving a touch slower. Um, not, tw- I mean, certainly encouraging. Um, we have yet to see, or we just haven't quite seen the scoring um, from him bef- like that. Like w- the ball was solely his. Um, and it'll be interesting. That, that was like a flash forward to next year a little mm-hmm. bit, um, hopefully. But, you know, put it away, the Broncos pretty handily, winning 95 to 62. And then had a very um, interesting game um, on paper against Illinois, uh, an Illinois team that is, is a wild card. I think they will continue to be that all year. A uh, ton of talent. Um, changed their defensive philosophy and um, had some really nice wins and a couple interesting losses. This one was a, a win that I would like to be able to look back on and say this was where the season really yeah. picked up steam. I think it may have been. I think a couple of takeaways here. <clears throat> First, it was good to see Cassius back in the lineup uh, looking like his normal self with 21 points six assists, only two turnovers, four rebounds, three of five from three, which I think is another big development we've seen lately. He's been shooting much better from outside than his slow start. Um, Listen, Illinois just can't shoot. It's plain and simple. They went three of 28 from three. If you want to go and beat a top, what is now once again a top 10 team, the preseason number one on the road, uh, you can't shoot 11%, not even 11% uh, from outside. I think in particular it was Bej, uh, Georgie Bejshanishvili. I think I got that right. Nailed um, it. Yep, going 0 for 4. He went 3 of 12. He killed Michigan State last year when they lost to Illinois on the road. So having him neutralized, obviously a big deal. And then Kofi Coburn, who went, you know, is a massive individual, by the way. Yep. Went 2 of 10 from the field. Um it had nine, did have nine rebounds, including six offensive rebounds. So did his damage there. But all in all, only five points. Uh, didn't have the game that I think a lot of people thought he could against Michigan State. Um, Dosunmu, you know, eight of twenty from the field, but only two of eight from three. Only finished, you know, uh, excuse me, eight of twenty from the field. O of three for three. Um, had a pretty nice game aside from the missed threes, eight rebounds, only one assist. That's not necessarily the number that you want from from a guy who's handling the rock quite a bit. Did have 18 points, but he had those moments where you're like, wow, this is a next level guy. Um, it, all in all, though, it's, you know, I think from an Illinois perspective, they just didn't shoot well enough to win. But I, I was impressed by MSU a couple of reasons in this one. I mean, you got a great preview of, of the game Tillman was going to play against Michigan. 19 points, seven boards, six assists, four blocks, and a steal. I mean, he's becoming, including hitting a, a big three, uh, obviously becoming a huge force for MSU. Uh, but the guy who jumped out to me, despite not scoring in this game, was Marcus Bingham. And he's yeah. started to do this a lot lately. He had a good game against Western as well. He had 12 rebounds, including three offensive and five blocks. He's becoming a, a very, and he played 21 minutes. He's becoming a legitimate factor with his length it become actually playable and i think that is turning into one of the bigger developments uh for this msu team yeah and he was used perfectly um in a surprise move at least to me uh michigan state didn't you know threw out a post defensive philosophy on kofi coburn that was genius uh they ran 
uh, Bingham and Kithier at him in waves uh, and, and used them to r- run on offense right down you know Main Street and literally tired him out um, and made him almost a non-factor. He was so busy um, trying to keep up with the game that he became a little bit of a non-factor on offense. And part of the other reason was Marcus Bingham, while giving up nearly um, 80 pounds to Kofi, is able to use his uh, length uh, so effectively. A thing that we saw him struggle with in the exhibition game, um, it's all about angles, and Marcus really thrived in this situation. Uh, I was just so impressed with him, and as you mentioned, the offense um, is always its going to continue to be a work in progress, but um, this idea, this, this concept of taking Kofi essentially out of the game um, because of his conditioning was was really thoughtful and and it and it worked um, to a T because Illinois became a, a tried to hurry up and they just simply can't keep up with Michigan State's athleticism and um, you you know I mentioned at the beginning they changed their defensive philosophy from chaos defense to um, because Kofi's on the floor and kind of was unable to keep up with that um, more of a traditional half court. Uh, set and and frankly they just don't ha- top to bottom roster wise if you take Kofi out um, it was no match so yeah, I was just really impressed I agree I think they're a bit of a victim in that like they're they're a victim of the fact that arguably their best player or certainly the most physically imposing player it can't really play the style that they that Brad Underwood's always played I mean go back to Stephen F Austin in Oklahoma State I mean, Brad Underwood's run that havoc crazy press everything. And really, this team top to bottom in Illinois is made more for that. But when Kofi's in there, they just simply – you can't do it. He, he can't play that style. Um, and so they're at a bit of an interesting point, I think, uh, as, a, as a team this year because, listen, they're 9-5, and 1-2 and two in the Big Ten. You've got to go at least 500 in the Big Ten, and that's easier said than done given teams like Penn State and Iowa have really had – surprising seasons Michigan we'll talk about them in a second still a solid team Ohio State still somewhere in the top 10 I mean Wisconsin goes on the road and beats Ohio State this once again it's just a cannibalizing conference and you can get lost in that wash real quick if if you lose some games you shouldn't lose so Illinois I think is still a good program on the rise and they have a lot of talent but they're having an identity crisis and it kind of kind of showed through here but MSU all, all in all I think played once again a great game uh, Foster Laurie even chipped in with seven points and uh, yeah, I mean, all in all, a, a great one. But that brings us to the best game since we last spoke to you guys. And that was Sunday's, uh, fair to call it a dismantling of the University of Michigan. Uh, Michigan State hosts U of M, wins the game at 87 to 69. Nice. Uh, Michigan State goes to 4 0 in the Big Ten, the only undefeated team remaining. Um, 12 and three overall, Michigan drops to one and two, 10 and four overall. I mean, if we want to start with the obvious, it's the Batman and Robin act of Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. Cassius has a career high 32 to go with nine assists, a couple of rebounds, a steal. And once again, only two turnovers, um, two of three from three. Only real flaw in this game is he missed three free throws, which was weird, but um, he had a tremendous game. And before we even get to Tillman, I want to give you the chance to just gush about Cassius for a second. 
So this is a game that you will talk about and you we will talk about for decades. I mean, to truly appreciate how in control one player is of a game, it, it doesn't happen that often. Um, when one player is truly orchestrating the entirety of of a game and and and, and has no um, is is truly in the zone. I mean, he was in the zone from the tip. He you know he hit the first bucket out of the gate. Um, everything flowed through him. Michigan played their standard uh, pick and roll defense on him and just had no answers. It was a joy to watch a privilege to watch a guy just just be able to dismantle an incredible defensive point guard um in xavier simpson who will do a lot of great things against other teams just not against michigan state as long as cassius winston is there he he did things that he made bad shots like he made impossible shots he made passes that weren't there he did stuff that i guess the best way i can describe a lot of times you watch a lot of basketball and you can see the game happening at before it does you know the things that will happen next um when i say that i mean you can see the ball reversal and the next pass that has to happen you can see it all kind of come together the pick and roll cassius is playing at a level that sometimes even the the avid fan the avid basketball fan he is seeing things that that others can't and that is a that is a (laughs) it makes every possession a joy and a surprise and i just i'm i can't stop re-watching his magic last yeah it was i think one of the announcers said it might have been bill rafter he said it's rare that you can have, you can watch a game and see one person completely dictate what the other nine guys on the floor are doing, and and I just think it's important from time to time. I mean, you know, we sound ridiculous, but you did watch like a true masterpiece f- from Winston, and he's had thirty two points. He had five taken off the board on uh, a the Juwan Howard technical and b his little runner that he sunk. That should have counted. I mean, this this should have been a borderline forty point game. Um, Michigan State was in control. I, listen, we we should for a second, in all seriousness, I do give Michigan some credit for hanging in this game. They were down Isaiah Livers. That's no excuse. Let me be very clear. Michigan State's down Josh Langford. Sorry, people get hurt. I'm not feeling bad for you, but down your best offensive player to call it what it is. And yet they didn't really quit. I was impressed by the fact that, you know, they they played hard, uh, but they just are not in the same echelon right now as Michigan State. And I think, um, you know, I I think you saw some relatively impressive things. But Brandon Johns looked like he belonged. This dude, I've never seen a worse defender in my life than Brandon Johns. But offensively, he looked pretty decent at 12 points, uh, made a three. Teske gave MSU problems, but once again, they did. They got him to foul out. They kind of did the same. I think their strategy against real bigs is becoming obvious. In, in when you look at how they handled Coburn and how they handled Teske and how they'll probably handle guys like Matt Harms coming up, you're just running bodies and making them work. And Michigan State plays small, and they run, and they cycle the ball, and these bigs can't always hang. They can't hang. And then you saw against Michigan uh, a guy that didn't uh, – get to get much run against Illinois is Julius Marble. 
You know, that's, that's a lot of beef that can come out there and he's worth five fouls and a bunch of rebounds too. Michigan state is the deepest team. This is the, they can run bodies at you. And when you have a magician point guard, um, the sky's the limit. And we saw that because Michigan is not bad. That is a, that is a, that is a, decent team and not as good as everyone wanted them to be at the beginning. Yeah. They're not the number um, two team in the country that would, they never were. And they are definitely uh, not now. And we, everyone becomes victims of the moment. And honestly, based on, you know, the resume to date, maybe they should have been at that moment. It doesn't really matter now, but um, you, you know, Michigan state has the best Ken Palm adjusted offense in the country. Now that's, that's, that is incredible. Um, just operating at an incredible pace. And that's, that's especially incredible because they don't force a ton of turnovers. Um, you know, these are not, this is just the, each possession is, is becoming more and more, um, that's the word I want to use each possession. You know, they're not turning the ball over as much as they used to. Cassius is in full control. And I guess the difference is that against Michigan, Kyle Arns and Gabe Brown also hit open shots. Yeah. Um, and that, that even Rocket Watts. And Rocket Watts at the end also hit a couple shots, some confidence builders that really didn't have an effect on the game, in my opinion. But, no, they didn't. But still, it was nice to see. I, I think the biggest thing to zoom out, like, well, just, we'll put a bow on this one. Um, a couple things got put to bed if they weren't already. The Xavier Simpson, Cassius Winston rivalry is not a rivalry. It's a fun matchup. That's great. It's fun. Everyone will talk about it. One player is a first-team All-American National Player of the Year candidate. Another guy is a you know probably a second or third-team All-Big Ten type player. And um, in this is four straight for MSU. Uh, the you know as of now MSU is once again the the big boy on the block. I'm sure. You know, Juwan Howard is, is going to get his boys ready for the next game down in Ann Arbor. But um, I, I think MSU should be as confident as as they could possibly be. And, and, and again, now to zoom out and kind of retrospectively look back at those three games, and really the last stretch of seven games, but more particularly really those last three or four, I think what we've seen more than anything else, and John, you and I have talked about it a lot offline, is that Michigan State has really apparently found their identity. I mean, I think that was the biggest thing that was missing from this team, understandably so, given the Josh Langford news, Joey Hauser news, everything that's happened with Cassius Winston. You know, all of those things um, clearly were distracting this team, understandably so. You forget about the human side of things from time to time. And I think with some of those things, certainly not over those, especially Cassius Winston's issues, Don't those never go away. But to be at least a little further in the rear view and to have had a little more time to, you know, just get back to being a, a, a person and a basketball player. Um, you've seen this team start to concentrate a little bit more in gel and really just find that identity. They didn't play with this identity at, to any point until the last handful of games. They're a running gun team. I think they've all kind of settled into their roles. I think you've seen a lot more vocal leadership from Xavier Tillman. I mean, he was screaming at Gabe Brown at one point in this game, and I was, I think I texted you about it. I was thrilled. Um, They they play tough physical defense that can switch to any position. They play that, that ball movement offense, which is just a thing of beauty to watch. And Cassius Winston is going to be, 
the best player on the floor every single time you take the floor. It does can not matter. You, so can I, you, I think it is. I can tell you what, what's happened here. And, and this is based on watching last year's team. It takes just like any team, but it takes a little time for um, the maestro to understand um, everybody's capabilities. And you're starting to see Cassius Winston, um, who took time last year after the changing parts. We, we made the analogy last year. They were fixing the car while it was driving on the highway. Um, he now knows who is on the team. Rocket Watts is now coming off the bench. He knows his yep. role. Gabe Brown is starting, and he knows his role. Cassius Winston is still, you're starting to see, learning his personnel and putting people in the best positions to succeed. Um, at all times, um, the area that he's, you're still seeing some, um, growing pains is, um, fast break lobs. Um, yeah, he's, it's, it's all about learning about your personnel and what they're and and knowing their limitations. And it's, it really is going to keep improving and people are going to find their stride here. Um, I'm almost sure of it. Um, I know you want to be done talking about this game, but I don't. So I have a couple more stuff. Let's keep going. I I thought it was worth noting that Michigan State's three-point percentage is continuing to improve. And one thing I wanted to note that was kind of lost in the whole shuffle of MSU's three-point shooting is down and the worst it's been since, you know, an Izzo team of all time. And, you know, while those are facts or were facts, um, the thing that was lost is the line is further back. Um, and it may not feel like a significant difference, but it is. So, um, but the three point percentage is improving, um, for the entire team. It is slowly growing. I think right now it is sitting at just under 35%. We talked about if you're at 37%, that is like, you know, now you're talking about being top 60 in the country and, um, you're really in business. I don't know if they're going to get that close, um, but it's certainly trending up. Uh, I do want to talk about a weird thing. Um, the technical fouls in this game, uh, I just, they're inc- both were incredible for different reasons. Uh, do, do you have any thoughts on the Juwan? Yeah, I, I mean, add you know item number 57 to the list of things Juwan Howard doesn't know that he can't do. Like, I just don't know how long you can claim to be like, oh, this is like, you know, all the recruiting stuff, talking about recruits, like I, you can kind of gloss over that. But like, does this guy not know that you can't run onto the court or you're going to get teed up? Like it may have been intentional. You know, guys do that all the time. But like it, it, it was like fun and cute and all that stuff for Juwan. And now I'm just like, come on, dude, like you're just an idiot. Now it benefited us, so I'm not going to complain too much. But um, I, I thought it was the, funny. Dude, the dude got – okay, this is such this is such a bad luck when people do the well Izzo does it okay first of all Shut no he, no he doesn't he doesn't run onto the court he literally ran onto the court and stopped the game so miss me the best part though is that I think it was Austin Davis um, he just got he just got blocked like yeah. he just he didn't get fouled he just got big boyed at the basket and like <laughs> there's no two ways about it. He got a Mac player got big boyed on a big stage and Juwan was mad that Cassius was in, was zoning and he acted like a child about it. And, you know, that's not to say that 
uh, head coaches don't act like children. All, you know, plenty of them do. But he literally ran on the court like a child um, and stopped a fast break. I've just, I haven't seen it done. It was incredible stuff. Pioneer. Well, that was one thing he did well this game. Um, stopped one fast break. Michigan couldn't do too much of that yep. the whole game. Um, Izzo's technical was interesting. Um, standing a couple feet outside of his coach's box in a rarely enforced rule, um, especially within your proximity. I have to imagine he had been warned many times before that happened. I just found it hysterical because like, he could have gotten teed up for a lot of other stuff prior to that. Yeah. But it's just funny when the final straw is like a pedantic rule. Like, like you, that. you stepped over that white line. Yeah. Get back. Yeah. I, I thought that was, I mean, I was pissed at the time. That was a terrible foul. That, that, that let Michigan right back into the game. I mean, that was, was that was a, a awfully timed technical. I mean, that was MSU. I think was up sixteen. They were right around their biggest lead of the game at the time, and uh, he he let him right back in. Um, what? So I thought that was kind of funny. What? One other thing here. Yeah, I'll say this spells trouble, and it's a name that I've harped on for the last two plus years now. I'm just really glad that Eli Brooks understands that I have a brand and an image to uphold. And he really <laughs> played into it in this game. This dude played the second most minutes of any, oh. any player on Michigan. And he 36 minutes, one of five from the field. Oh, four from three did have five rebounds and three assists, two points. Didn't go to the free throw line. Guys, guys, this is your starting two guard. This isn't the livers replacement. This is your starting shooting guard. I thought you were the number 12 team in the country. I thought I was supposed to be worried about number 55. No. Turns out. Turns yeah, out. Turns out. Turns out our, our boy really likes to come up small in uh, against big teams recently because when he played against Oregon, he scored a whopping two points in 32 minutes into which a game that went into overtime. They went on the road to play Louisville, a game you may remember when he scored two points in 23 minutes. And then, uh, yeah, so those are his last three games against ranked teams. Now, give him the credit he deserves. He scored 24 against North Carolina way back when, a North Carolina team that at the time was number six and now currently sits at eight and six record. Uh, Most recently lost to Georgia Tech the game before beat Yale by three, so... Looking a little funny in the light there, Eli. Um, listen, you and I clowned him before the year. I'm going to keep clowning him. As long as you have Eli Brooks as your starting shooting guard, I am not taking you seriously as a basketball team. Period. And I was going to say, dude, that's a little unfair because he played exactly as we thought he would all season. Yeah, like, I'm just – when so he, like, he's score, if he's your starting two and you're going to let Xavier Simpson shoot six threes a game and 18 total shots – I'm not. I'm not worried about you. I mean, if I'm never going to be worried about the kid who is wearing the the offensive lineman jersey. <laughs> yeah, fifty five's um, not doing it. I, okay, the other couple things. I just just to get on record, I had the privilege of listening to um, <laughs> the Moving Screen podcast prior to the game, um, and I gotta tell you, there were some eye openers quotes from that that podcast you know and to be fair we have probably said some pretty incredible things but there's some stuff on there like 
they were they are the podcast that in my eyes is supposed to be the um the well-reasoned one hmm. uh dude what are you saying my friend three different things were said on that podcast that had me like pause and be like no way no way did they just say that dude i heard on that podcast <laughs> that i heard xavier tellman doesn't block shots <laughs> Whoa, what buddy google's yeah. your friend google is your friend and my man had six blocks in that game um by the way uh currently um 72nd all-time in the Big Ten history, uh, tied for, with Draymond Green for sixth all-time on Michigan State. Currently, I believe, fourth overall in the Big Ten in block shots. Like, that's just a dumb thing to say. Like, what is that? Yeah, that's uh, just dumb. That's just kind of lame. That, just don't be just, dumb. That's lazy. Uh, the other one that I, I had to pause on was um, at the two-guard two spot, saying Michigan had the advantage with Eli Brooks and David DeJulius over Gabe Brown and Rocket Watts. Like, all right. I gotta stop you right in your track. Not only would I not take both of them, I wouldn't take either of them. I, I mean, I'm sorry. As I mean, I am, I am biased. I have to ask if an objective person could come to that same conclusion. I, I don't know. I would have a incredibly hard time coming to that conclusion. Well, here, let's put it this way. Eli Brooks isn't good. Uh, and he starts over David DeJulius. So, mm. no, I'm not interested. I did enjoy David DeJulius um, taking it upon himself to lock up Cassius Winston oh, in the man. second half. The low, stance, the low stance clap. You know someone's serious when they low stance clap you. And um didn't work out for him. That was a... That was uh, the JV kid getting run on varsity, and it didn't work out for him. Yeah, sorry, dog. The last one, the last one that jumped out to me was the claim that if uh, Xavier Simpson went three of six from the field with uh, his ten assists, that Michigan um, would win, would probably win in a landslide. So <laughs> I choked laughing there because. Um, Wow. Actually, Xavier scored way more than you would have expected and did have eight assists. Um, pretty close to the, I think actually it was 12, 12 assists. And, and um, he, let's say he had 12 assists and let's say they were all on threes. Okay. Still, still losing to Michigan State in this game. Like, much less winning by a landslide. That, I mean, like, talk about talk about just kind of being not with reality yeah i I don't know what i was listening to. that's a series of really bad takes um whatever i mean be wrong that's fine it's more fun when they're confident and they lose so that's fine listen that that, that's bad but this listen michigan just michigan state deserves the credit they made michigan play poorly wagner and Eli Brooks combined to only take 10 shots. Teske, they got to foul out, and he only played 24 minutes. Johns Jr., you just kind of let him do what he's going to do. You know, he was fine. Good, not great. They made Xavier Simpson take 18 shots. They made him take six threes, and they left him wide open, and he shot-putted five of them off the back of the backboard. 
He made one of his four free throws. It's not a competition. He's he cannot hold Cassius Winston's jockstrap. It's just not a competition. It's not a competition anymore. In the early on in his career, it was a competition. Xavier Simpson ate his lunch a couple times early on, but then Cassius Winston became the literal player of the year in college basketball and is still the best player on the floor every time he steps on it in, in a vacuum in college basketball. You know what I am interested in seeing is, you know, when, when they do play again, it, I, you got to assume Cassius Winston will not be in his bag in the way he was in this game. I mean, that would just be, well. I mean, that would be, let's just assume he's not. I am interested in seeing what Phil Martelli draws up defensively um, <laughs> I see what you did there. Game. I mean that. I mean, let's be honest. Juwan's not coaching. No. Nope. I mean that. Let's be honest. Uh, but f- I want to see f- what Phil can do because I am. I do think that this was a game you could have put. You could have put the defensive genius out there. You know, you couldn't have exited O's anything on Cassius Winston that game. Yeah. He's just, and that he was just in that place. I am interested in seeing what Michigan and other teams, frankly. Um, start to do on that pick and roll moving forward on on Cassius Winston and Xavier yeah I mean it's a that that is a powerful combo like I said that's your Batman and Robin that's that duo has evolved into everything that MSU has needed it to be and I think the supporting cast really just needed to get into their roles and and they are one last thing I don't know if and I you know in Michigan god imagine if Michigan had less than a week to prep for that game oof Really I mean, could have gotten ugly. That was ugly. a week's worth of practice. Really could have gotten ugly. Um, I mean, so put his own kid in the game. Oh, that was beautiful. That's black, dude. That That's is he is also, by the way, the smallest human on the planet. He makes Foster Lawyer look enormous. Do you know how big of a flex it is to put your kid in the in a rivalry game? It's pretty bad. It's, like, it's that, pretty bad. That is uncalled for harsh. Uh, yeah, but you know what? I hope he starts next game. Um, okay. Wait, last tweet, and then we're then we're off. Our man Sheehan Sports. Since Sam Webb's incredible, which if you don't know it, uh, Cassius Winston Xavier Simpson tweet. The last four games, Cassius first U of M, twenty-seven and eight, twenty-three and seven, fourteen and eleven, thirty-two and nine. End tweet. Oh my god. End tweet. That's just a body bag. Good night, Sam. Good night, Michigan. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Hopefully, you actually bring your A game. Next. Oh, speaking of yeah, next Minnesota and the fighting baby Patinos. Uh, (laughs) Little Richard. Coming into this matchup, eight and six, two and two in the conference, better than their record. Um, I, in my opinion, ranked thirty-seven in Kempom. Um, have a have an NBA player on their roster and Daniel Oturu, um, who is just tearing it up this year. Eating, some would say. Oh my goodness, nineteen points, twelve boards, almost sixty six percent e field goal. I mean, this guy is um, eating. Yeah, he looks like an NBA player. He looked like an NBA player and he walked on campus. Um, they also have Marcus Carr. 6'2 kid is averaging 16 points a game, seven assists, six rebounds. I mean, he's <laughs> it's a pretty damn good line. Um, I think they're better than their record. They're 0-3 in close games this year. Um, they're a fantastic offensive rebounding team, which is a weakness of Michigan State's. And you saw that against Michigan 
uh, Marcus Bingham's inability to just yeah. hold on and two hand that ball that that's going to keep coming back on this team who puts together great defensive possessions, but when they can't lock up the defensive board, um, silly things happen. So both Minnesota and Purdue will put that to the test. Um, can I, I mean, can I argue you your, your stance on Minnesota being better than their record? Sure. I just don't listen. They lost to Purdue, who, as we'll talk about, mm-hmm. is not good. Yep. They lost by 20 to Iowa. But the most damning of all is they lost to DePaul. Yeah, you, no, you watch DePaul? Yeah, it's DePaul. It is DePaul, but they're, it's not, they're better than the usual DePaul. That's not saying any – that's almost literally saying nothing. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Now, I'll, I'll give you this. I don't think I, I. I'll I'll say I'll backhandedly agree with you and say that I think they're probably a more talented team than their record. Um, they beat Ohio State. They beat Ohio State absolutely by thirteen, uh, and some of their losses aren't bad. I mean, Butler, Oklahoma, Utah, respectable programs. I mean, currently Butler's in the top five. Uh, did hey, beat Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean, listen, they're just they're up and down, but losing. Yeah, they're okay. They're they're, okay. they're fine. I think the the biggest things to look out for, obviously, Arturo is gonna gonna cause problems. Uh, body that big, Michigan State. It'll be interesting. I think um, you know this is third straight game where you're playing a really good big, and you'll see if they employ that same strategy they've been employing so far. Um, now this team does have four uh, guys that score in double digits. The two guys you mentioned, Arturo and Carr, and then Gabe Kalsher, who Michigan State fans will surely remember from last year, and guard Peyton Willis. Um, both guys shoot it at about 36% from three and um, don't do a whole lot else. So, you know, those are the kind of the guys you got to look out for. I, I think, you know, Carr will probably volume-wise get a lot of shots up. Oturu obviously will, will command quite a few as well. But the Kalshers and the Willises of the worlds are really the guys where, um, you know, when if they want to have an upset, if they're looking for an upset, it's going to have to be one of those two guys kind of coming to life and, and having a big game against Michigan State. I think this is, um, you know, just another game where MSU's got to hold serve, kind of keep, yeah, again, another big opportunity for Marcus Bingham and the other bigs to establish themselves as, okay, who's who's going to be the guy? I think if there's one thing I'd like to see in this game personally, it would be uh, a third. I really would like to see a big offensive performance from Aaron Henry. Um, he's played really well defensively and um, rebounded especially well over the last handful of games. And I think that's kind of his role. But offensively, you know, you are going to need someone to pick up some of the slack at some point for Rocket Watts, or excuse me, for, for Cassius Winston. And maybe that is Rocket Watts to a degree off the bench. But, um, you know, Aaron Henry, I thought, did a good job of hunting his shot against Michigan and kind of finding that right-handed floater driving to the left. Um, but I'd like to see maybe a couple more shots get up from him and uh, – but all in all, this this should be a win for Michigan State. Can I, t- I want to talk about Aaron Henry a little bit. Sure. The enigma of Aaron Henry. And um, for me, I just want to go on record that he is ex- he is still today. Look back um, last year uh, before the season started. And you were, if you were at a point where Aaron Henry is – if you were to say Aaron Henry is this by this point in his sophomore year, you would be like, wow, what? Incredible, right? Yep. 
And I think it's we as a fan base have been a little unfair to Aaron Henry. Uh, maybe expected a little too much out of a kid who was the worst rated of the recruits last year. And yeah, true. when we were, and when we compare the way we have expectations for Aaron Henry versus the way we've had expectations for say Marcus Bingham, that's, that's unfair. Like why in, in foster lawyer, we baby Marcus Bingham and foster lawyer. We true. baby about like, they're growing, they're growing, they're getting better. They're going to be ready by, you know, and like, and that's great. And they have had the opportunity to grow and they should have the opportunity to grow because that's what great programs do is they grow their talent. Aaron Henry was thrown into the fire last year and he excelled like and, and he played well. And then everyone expected him to take this MBA leap. And I just don't know if that's fair to do to a kid because he's allowed to grow and right. get better at the same pace as Thomas Kithier is. No, for sure. You for know, sure. I, just, I, I mean, I you're stuck. right. You're right. I mean, he's a victim of of expectations that maybe got a little out ahead of themselves. I mean, listen, the other part is he was really good as a key starting member of a Final Four team last year. And yeah. I think, you know, expectations adjusted accordingly. I mean, people are talking a lot about him leaving after this year for the NBA. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think his shot has too far to go. Now, I do think he could be the the lead dog on a team next year, but I don't think he's going to the NBA. Um, but yeah, I, I think you've seen him kind of settle into his role here. Uh, I, I just, I think he, to me, is a, a confidence guy. If he's going and confident, then he's as good as he wants to be. Um, but you know, when he's down, he's really down. I think you, you almost got the full picture of him in the first half against Michigan. I mean, he got two quick, quick fouls in the first half, didn't play, and then uh, was great down the stretch in the second half, a huge force defensively. So um, I agree with you. He's a bit of an enigma, but would, I think he's got a great chance, you know, to establish himself here against Minnesota. Yeah, I just think he needs to also find his role and part of that is having guys like Kyle Arns and uh, yep. Gabe Brown being the the shooters, so there isn't so much pressure on him to be coming the outside shooter um, that MSU needs. So, yep. um, yeah, maybe it, this is the game. Maybe it, this is his step. Um, a big test on Sunday will be at Purdue. Um, who who might be stinky, Austin? Mm. Um, but it is hard to go into Mackey. It it is hard. So a big test there. You had thoughts on Purdue, though. Well, here's the thing. As we will talk about in our upcoming uh, goodness matrix, you can't score 37 points in a game in the Big Ten and expect me to call you anything but stinky. I'm sorry. I just don't believe in that. Um, This team has also, on top of that, lost to Nebraska by 14 this year. Like, I don't know. I'm going to have a hard time giving you a ton of love, even when you're the team that beat Virginia by almost 30. Like, yeah, I, I'm still going to struggle with that. Um, they are a bit of an enigma, you know, as a team in general. I mean, uh, the, some familiar faces, especially in the front court, Matt Harms and Trevion Williams lead the way uh, for this team from a forward perspective. They do not score a lot of points. They only average six. They only average sixty-eight points a game. Now they have three guys in double figures in Matt Harms, 
uh, and guard Jihad Proctor and Eric Hunter Jr. Sasha Stefanovic has taken over the, uh, oh, what was his name? Dakota Mathias role of just being the least aesthetically pleasing basketball player possible, but still being good, shooting 45% from three. Um, Trevon Williams leads the way with seven rebounds a game. I mean, they just play kind of ugly. That's This is a, a very ugly uh, team. Um, here's the thing, and we kind, of, we kind of said it about going into the Michigan game. It's like, I just don't know where they're going to get points from. I don't see – I mean, Michigan State, I think you can – Basically, like you said, they're the adjustment wise or whatever it is, like Ken Palm, they're the most efficient offense in the country. It would be shocking at this point. I mean, they're averaging 82 points a game. Like, it's wild. They are averaging 14 more points a game than Purdue. On a bad night, they're going to score 75. Purdue has to play seven points better than their average just to hit seven points lower than six points lower, seven points lower than Michigan State's average. That's a lot of ground to have to make up. So well, they're just gonna have to, you know, turn this into a crawl. Um, and, and they have the bodies to do that. But you know, Michigan State's going to try and run them. They're going to push the pace yep. and, and at all. <laughs> the only thing Purdue can do here is just four corners this thing, you know, and and take. And it turned into a Wisconsin game of old. Yep, exactly. It's a rock fight. There's no way around it. Now, like you said, that defensively they have the bodies to do it. I mean, No Jell Eastern is a really I mean, he can't shoot to save his life, but he is a six seven, two twenty-five guard who will bludgeon you to death and, and, and can play games and be really good without hitting that, you know, anywhere on this on the score sheet. Um I think they've got the bodies to throw a Cassius Winston to, to make it a tough game for MSU. And like you said, going to Mackey, never an easy place to play. They but, haven't lost at home this year. Yeah. You know? um, so, you know, it is early. Uh, but <laughs> there's something to be said about, you know, a lot of ills can be solved when you're at home. Um, I guess they, they did lose at home to Texas. Um, but the thing, they are uh, much better at home overall statistically everywhere which shouldn't be a shock um but i think the one thing that they don't do is they don't get to the free throw line yep. they're just so bad and when they do get to the free throw line they're somehow like one of the worst free throw per- shooting percentage teams in the country they shoot 65 percent just incredible stuff that is horrible. Um, yeah i mean they have a they have a really they've played a pretty decent schedule here um, they lost at Marquette. They lost uh, to Florida State, who's good. Um, but as you mentioned, into Butler, who is good. But when you lose to Nebraska, like Nebraska, man, yeah, that one's like tough come on, come on, you, you can't do, you can't do it. I'm just not willing to. T- Once again, just like when you're starting Eli Brooks, I'm not willing to take you seriously when you lose to Nebraska and give up and score 37 points in a game. I, and also. When you lose to Illinois by what was twenty six, yeah, the night after, they're like later, uh, you know, several days after they got boat raced by Michigan State. I'm just, uh, this is not a good Purdue team, and and that says something about Purdue as a program. I mean, they've had some great, great, legitimately great teams in the not distant past, and mm-hmm. um, they've never done anything with it, but they've had those teams. You've had those things, but. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this is not a, a vintage version of, of Purdue. So, um, you know, as we kind of get into the goodness matrix here, those two teams, I mean, I think these are our games Michigan State should win. I'll say it. Yeah, I mean, they should. And, you know, I think one thing to consider is you know, the one other glaring hole or maybe the hole we've been waiting for as a post scorer for Michigan State. I just have one thought and we can just think about it in this day and age of of free flowing basketball that Michigan State is running. I do they need one? Do they need a consistent low post scorer? I don't know if they do. Yeah, I, I think I don't think you need a traditional post up big. It, it's two different things because I think one thing that I think I tweeted about it was Michigan. The one thing Michigan State has lacked is on that fast break, not having Nick Ward making a beeline for the rim and when he gets that ball finishing it 89%, 90% of the time. Um, I think those are easy baskets that, listen, MSU's averaging 82 points a game. It's not like they're struggling to score, but those are easy points throughout the course of the game. And in March, those easy points matter a lot. We saw it happen time and time again last year as we got down the stretch. And while I don't think they need a traditional post-up big, they need somebody aside from Xavier Tillman who can finish those buckets. We've seen Kithier do it. Um, I, I think it, an interesting thought experiment would be getting Marcus Bingham running that lane instead of trailing for threes because of how tall he is and how he should be able to athletically finish over guys. Um, we've seen him struggle with that a little bit, but I think that'd be an interesting thought experiment. I, I kind of, I don't think you, it's not necessary, necessary because you do have Xavier Tillman, but it's um, certainly something that they could benefit from. I don't think they need your traditional throw it into the post and bang guy that just doesn't really exist in too many places anymore. But um, their style would benefit from a guy who can just finish on those fast breaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. about it. Yeah. Um, you want to do goodness matrix? I think it's time. We'll end with our favorite segment. Okay. Um, so categories uh, change, as you know. I don't think there's a. I don't think Michigan State is in the great category, or. Yeah. I, I won't put a, I won't put them in this. Um, Christmas treats. Christmas salami category yet. Yeah, I'll say that I don't think there's a single great team right now. Not yet. No, Not yet. it's hard. And, and Duke, who is a, maybe good, just lost um, Wendell Moore for the year. Ooh, that's bad. So yeah, Duke freshman Wendell Moore Jr. will be out indefinitely. Oh, so maybe not the year. We'll see. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's no great teams. So what a fun tournament this will be. That said, Michigan State appears to be the the best team in the Big Ten today. Um, but other teams that are good we think are Ohio State. And yeah, Ohio State probably is the second best team right now. What do you think? Uh, I'll leave Ohio State there for now. Um, At one and two in the conference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in, Which is weird. You know, they did beat – they have good wins. Uh, you know, Villanova is flirting with that top 15. They were in the big top 10 recently. Kentucky, obviously uh, a good team. They did beat Penn State, quietly a really nice Big Ten win. Um, I think the bubble is bursting in Ohio State. They made it all the way up to what number three, two, not that long ago. And I think you it's another case. I, I think it's another case, just like Michigan, where it's 
it's a good team. No, mm-hmm. no question. Caleb Wesson is a really good player, first team All Big Ten type of guy. I just don't know if they have the shooting, and I don't know if they have like that consistent second player. I don't really trust their wing guys a whole lot to be scored. Like Luther Muhammad's a good player. Um, I like DJ Carton, but he's young, so I, I don't know if they strike me more as a mid-teens type of team. But um, I'll say that they're good. They've earned good. Yeah, Dwayne Washington Jr.'s taken a huge leap from last year. Um, Xavier Tillman's teammate from high school. Um, and Kyle Young has taken um, a, a step forward. They, they're nice. They're a nice team. Yeah, they might they, be in the nice category. Like uh, Maryland is also nice. Yeah, I, I think Maryland – The part I was watching Maryland play against Indiana this past weekend, and it's, it's so typical Maryland – to have a legitimately great player in Jalen Smith. Great player. Like, any team would want him. And to just simply not give him the basketball. Like, they killed Indiana. And I don't even remember what he ended up with. Um, Now I kind of want to find out. But, yeah, so they're number 12, all the way up to 12 in the country, in spite of the fact that they just simply don't give their best player the ball. Like, I, I don't understand how it works. I want to see what the score was of this last game that they played because I feel like he just, and, and, and yet he still had 19 points in this game, but he only yeah, took his, his usage is not as high as maybe he only took, to he only confident. took, he played 17 minutes. He took 10 I, shots. I, like I, I don't until they figure out again, I will not take you seriously until you get your best player, the most shots on your entire team. Anthony Cowan has been a really good guard Four of 13 in this game, one of six from three. Like, probably, that's obviously a bad game for him, but I'm not really taking Maryland terribly seriously. I might knock them down to nice soon. But um, for now, again, they're good. They beat Temple. They beat Marquette. I, I kind of think they're maybe the most, like, by default top 15 team. Yeah, that seems fair. You know, uh, there's st- it's weird because it's, it's uh, January and we're still, like, the Big Ten is such a – you call it a wash of like a storm. I don't know if we're going to know any better by March. It's true. Because all the records are going to be the same. Yeah, true. I think I, I think you'll see some teams kind of separate themselves. I think Michigan State will for sure separate themselves. The next tier is, you know, I mean, I've had better. And I think the the king among those right right now, for now, is Michigan. I, we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about them on this podcast. Uh, they're stuck here until they get livers back, in my opinion. And if they don't, then they have a chance to drop even another tier. Um, because I just don't know where they get offense from on any given night. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know, Teske's a really, really solid player. He's, you know, yep, I like Teske a lot. Yeah, leading the team in scoring. Um, uh, Xavier's very consistent for them. Um, but unless David DeJulius is able to take Eli Brooks starting spot or Franz Wagner Wagner becomes the player we were all told by right. the internet was supposed to be, um, and, and more NBA ready than his brother. Uh, <laughs> I, it's hard for me to see the offense too. Um, you know, they have a, a stretch, the big 10, the entire stretch is tough, but, um, I just I don't know if anyone knows when Livers is going to be back. Yeah, I know it's um, it's, it's a groin too, so you just really you can't know. Um, 
Speaking of, I've had better, but maybe not. This one might be misplaced, Austin, because Penn State may not have had better. <laughs> True. This might be their best team ever. Hey, I, listen, I've been trying to. I've been on this Penn State train for you know. I, this is another one I should honestly claim. So I've been crazy. on the Penn State basketball bandwagon for like three straight years. Um, <laughs> you can't. You can't be on the Illinois and Penn State. Oh, bandwagon. but I can. That's that is okay. where you are wrong, my friend. I can be yeah, on as yeah. many bandwagons as I so choose. Um, but I mean, listen. The thing is, they have one of the best players in the conference, and that's Lamar Stevens. When you have a guy like Lamar Stevens, he can carry your team to previously unattained heights. 16.5 points, 7 rebounds, almost 3 assists, steal and a half, block. Uh, can't shoot from 3 at all. He's only shooting 24%. But he's one of the best players in in the league. And they've got some other inc- – dude, this is maybe the all-name team of all-name teams. They've got yeah. My- Myrion Jones, Isaiah Brockington, Miles Dredd. And here's the best one, Trent Buttrick. Oh, yeah, we talked about the old Trent. B-U-T-T-R-I-C-K. The butt man, (laughs) as I call him. Dude, this team is... is... (laughs) So, Myron Jones um, is sneaky, one of the best players um, in the league. And... I don't know. He take he took a, a a leap from last year, like a leap from last year, and um, I don't know. He's, they've turned Penn State from um, they look like a tournament team now. Yeah, they have that win over Maryland. They have a decent win against at Georgetown, but that is kind of deflating in quality. Um, they're going to have to make their hay in the Big Ten here. Um, but they don't have any bad losses, and that was a staple of uh, Chambers' teams of the past. Yeah, Pat Chambers looking like he's going to get another extension. It's the year nine bump. Let's I go. boy, Pat. <laughs> Iowa, Fran McCaffrey's Iowa Hawkeyes, who just haven't – I thought this might – there's no reason to think this should have been the year. But it felt like maybe it could have been the year, if only because, I don't know, Garza's a nice player, Wise Camp, and Bohannon are nice. But, yeah, oh, but oh, Bohannon's Bohannon done is now. out for the year. Yeah, that's a big deal. I think, like, what he brings to them, another team that's lost to DePaul, uh, what he brings oh, to them is uh, uh, kind of an element that you can't really – replicate very easily now i okay you said it earlier with another team how minnesota how they're better than their record iowa is definitely better than their record i mean their four losses are one to depaul bad the other the other three are against san diego state who is currently i believe in the top 15 no top 10 i think they're number seven um at michigan when michigan was fully healthy and home against penn state I mean, those are three ranked teams they've lost to, and then DePaul. And none of those losses, I mean, Michigan was by 12, but 10 to San Diego State and 3 to Penn State. I mean, listen, the, uh, Iowa, I think, is flirting with more relevance, so I feel good about keeping them at the hat better. Honestly, both of them are trending up in a better position than Michigan. Michigan just has the early season wins. Yeah, I mean... Well, that, so Iowa's loss um, was actually at the to Penn State was at the Palestra. Oh, I, yeah, that was fun. We did that that's, once. That's an even better loss. 
um, Frisky. Rutgers. Oh. oh. Rutgers has earned their way to Frisky, and this is easily the highest Rutgers has ever made it on the goodness matrix. Easily. And they've earned it. This is not a pity Frisky. With wins no. over Wisconsin and Seton Hall, um, they are at 11 and 3, 43 in Ken Palm. A winning record in the Big Ten currently. Um, their only bad loss is, is to St. Bonaventure, but yeah. But would it be Rutgers without a bad loss? Exactly. Uh, who you know? I feel comforted knowing that they are. They didn't get to stray too far from. It home. helps me sleep, knowing that they still get to stay that true to themselves. I mean, you have to wonder if the Greg Schiano bump has made its way inside inside the rack. Uh, so we'll see how for real they are in the battle for the Northeast uh, supremacy sans Maryland uh, against Penn State, um, a home game tomorrow or when you're listening tonight on the 7th. Actually a game that might be worth watching. I'm, uh, I'm I can't believe I said Penn State at Rutgers is a game that might be worth watching. A game that's A, happening, B, is worth watching. It might be fun. I, listen, I don't deny. I don't deny it. I mean, listen, Rutgers shoots less than thirty percent from three. So if nothing else, watching them clang trays will be worth it. Well, okay. So let's keep it moving um, down the list here. Um, Wisconsin totally redeems themselves. No kidding. With a win at Ohio State, we were talking about fire Greg Gard. Uh, I mean, it was getting real there for a second. Scary hours for for Wisconsin. There's a big difference from nine and five and eight and uh, eight and six, my friend. Oh yeah, big time, big big time. Um, no bad losses. Um, not and when I say bad losses, I mean no Q three or Q four losses. Yeah, they got some the ugly lo- ones on here though. But the difference is the ugly losses, like a neutral to St. Mary's in overtime, whatever. Yeah, well, that, that's fine. The, the neutral, the neutral to New Mexico, I I don't like. Neutral to New Mexico, loss against Richmond and at NC State is a, and then coming home beating Indiana by twenty, and then losing at Rutgers is a bad four out of five stretch. That's a tough stretch. That's a tough stretch. Yeah, I don't love it. Um, but then, like we said, they just, but most recently beat, went into. Uh, the always uh, crazy Value City Arena, and and beat a pretty decent Ohio State team. I, I just don't know if we know what they have. You know what I do know they have is my man. I will not stop standing Kobe King. Kobe King is real nice. I'm a fan of Kobe King's as well. You know how bad I was saying he needed more minutes last year. Yeah. I still believe he does. Um, there's a little part of me that will always feel for Demetric Trice. Same. Um, and we all know my my a Nate Reavers hate and b Aleem Ford love. So we <laughs> have we have far too many opinions on this uh, Wisconsin team. Um, so let's talk about we uh, we already talked the last frisky team here is Illinois. I think we both we already spent a lot of time on them. They can't yep. shoot. If they could shoot, I'd be really scared about them. And the the um, Kofi conundrum is a very real thing for them. So let's get into the stinky category. We've, we've okay. reached, we're approaching the bottom of the barrel. Um, the first team of the stinky category is Purdue. Again, we'll kind of skip over them. We've talked about them. I, I really think it's a pretty 
pretty cut and dry with Purdue. You don't score 37 points in a Big Ten game and keep my respect, and you don't lose to Nebraska and keep my respect. You are stinky. The only reason you're not in the turd bowl is, you know, honestly, I'm not even really sure. Like, honestly, you could make a real good case for them being down there. But, you know, we'll see. For now, I have enough respect for Matt Painter to keep them stinky. Okay. And we're going to hold on to why they can't be in the in the port of body basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not because they, of anything they've done. It's, yeah, exactly. No credit for Purdue on that one. Uh, Indiana, also stinky. Please do not. Their record is maybe a bit misleading. They have one good win over Florida State, who I said is, I think is a decent team. Um, they're just a... They're trash. Uh, just call, say what it is. They are trash. Honestly, that's what we should rename this category. It's just no, trash. I want to cut. You know, we needed a new category called fraud. Oh, yeah. It, to me, Indiana is a fraud. Love that. Tell further. Yeah. Like, I miss me with win, your how many Q4 wins? Like, just six Q4 wins. Six. Yep. I, mean, I love they've that. Only put, They've only played 14 games. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put fraud just above stinky. I think, I think fraud. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're redoing this on the fly guys. Welcome to your peek behind the curtain. The mat, this is where the magic is made. Um, I agree with you. And they beat Nebraska at home in overtime. Like get out of here, man. Yuck. Um, yeah, I, 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 again, watch them against Maryland and they're just the same Indiana team. That's always Indiana. Like they trace Jackson Davis is a nice player. Uh, I enjoyed watching him. Um, and I really like Justin Smith a lot, but this team shoots less than 31% from three. They don't seem to have any real idea what they're doing on offense. Like I watched them and listen, Maryland is not this good defensive team. They were forced into so many awful three-point shots in this game i I'm, i hesitate to say i'm not worried about indiana at some point just because they somehow beat michigan state twice last year but yeah. uh this is this is not a good basketball team and quite honestly if slash when they get left on the bubble because that's what's gonna end up happening to them archie miller is gonna get fired and uh we can use all the tom cream memes do they go get do they shiano cream Oh, bring him back. Uh, you know, honestly, the world's a better place when he's in the Big Ten, so I'm all for it. I think that I think Indiana goes and steals Wojo from Marquette. Ugh. Two, two Marquette head coach heists for Indiana in the past couple yeah, decades. We'll see. I, I don't hate it. All right, uh, last stinky team are your we'll, – we'll, we'll kind of zip, zip past them because we talked about them already. Minnesota. Um, I honestly I think I might put Minnesota a little higher than this. They're 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 a bit of a mirage at this point, but um, they stay above the final board, the the final category because these two teams that are at the bottom are in. Uh, we're talking about rare air here. Um, I guess technically, let, let's start with with the team with actually the worst record, but we're going to start with them first, and that's Northwestern. These guys are actually Northwestern deserves to be the worst one in my opinion, but. These, are, these two teams are equally horrendous, and that's Northwestern and Nebraska. Um, Northwestern currently sits at 5-8, and 0-3 oh in the Big Ten. Their losses include powerhouses such as Merrimack, Radford, and Hartford. We've already talked about Northwestern and played them. Somehow, MSU only beat them by five points. It didn't make sense, but they are big, big trash. 
Yeah, that was weird now that I think about it. Boo Booey really got us Boo Booey, yeah. I mean, that's the only thing keeping them above Nebraska because let me tell you, Nebraska ball, again, beat Purdue, which is the only thing they've done so far because their four of their eight losses are to North Dakota, UC Riverside, a school people definitely knew existed, George Mason, and Southern Utah. You could tell me three of these four are strictly just online colleges, and I would definitely believe you. Dude, I'm I'm looking back, and we might have it would be it would be hard, but we might have two Big Ten teams that don't have double digit wins um, at the end of the season. It now, seems impossible. We haven't had in the Big Ten non-Rutgers edition. We hmm. haven't had a team not have single-digit wins since Indiana 2008-2009. That was sanctioned Tom Crean, Indiana. Yep. And, I mean, and then before that it was Northwestern. But I don't believe we've ever had two single-digit wins. This, this is... I'm looking at Nebraska's schedule, and it's not like they just lost these games. No. They lost by 19 to UC Riverside, 19 to George Mason, uh, 1 to North Dakota, and then 17 to Rutgers. And in the process, they beat a team, Texas A&M CC, Corpus Corpus Christi. Christi. That's something I didn't know existed. So I will give Nebraska a little more leniency. Because they have like three players. Well, in that it was literally they they put out a call and said, if you're you're available to play basketball. (laughs) Do you like basketball? (laughs) It's a class at Nebraska. It's a (laughs) classketball. That's what we're calling it now. It's a a two-semester course, um, 101, taught by the mayor. Um, He's doing his best. He listen. But, I don't feel bad for the mayor. The mayor's cashing checks. The mayor is doing fine. Do not yeah. worry about his bank account. So um, yeah, it's it's but, bad. But Chris Collins, <sighs> what happened, bud? <laughs> yes, listen, it's the it's the meme. I'm telling you, ever <laughs> since he hit the ground and smacked the court like Gollum, it it's never been the same. He was possessed by the devil. The same one he sold his soul to to get them to the NCAA tournament, and hey. it's just—it's just never been the same. I'll—I will—I'll never be able to thank him enough for that photograph, though. Gotta do what you gotta do to get to the tourney, man. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I mean, listen, some people don't make it every year. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't know. Some people so, literally had never made it before. That's that's tough. Um, I'm interested. So there are some big games this week. I wanted to make sure you're tuned into um, in the Big Ten. Ohio State takes on Maryland tonight, uh, Tuesday. Uh, be sure to watch that one. Um, Maryland at Iowa on Friday. Um, another big one. Huge week for Maryland, huh? No kidding. And, and the other one to watch on Saturday is uh, Ohio State at Indiana, um, just because it's an Indiana home game and. I think we might find a new Ohio State could fall all the way to fraudulent if they were to drop. Oh, that big one. time! Oh, yeah, I, I would totally uh, 
agree with that. The, 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 the bloom is coming off the rose for Ohio State. You lose at Indiana, things get dicey quick. Now, for Indiana, too, though, that, that maybe legitimizes them a little bit more, maybe pushes them into frisky. But um, Sure. There's all, the, the goodness matrix is fluid, my friend. It is. It is indeed. Um, and guess what? Once again, your Michigan State Spartans sit atop it. But I have one more must-watch game for the Big Ten this week. Okay. Saturday. Get your t- get your, uh, your recorder ready. 4.30 Eastern time, Big Ten Network. Nebraska at Northwestern. Oh, boy. It has to happen. I, I wonder how much it would cost for you and I to buy a 30-second ad in that game. Why don't we go? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Uh, Let's go. I, listen, I like hearing that there are like, the rumors that these games are happening. I don't know that I need to necessarily be there and bask in its glow. Um, but maybe. Uh, <laughs> I am on the Northwestern ticket website right now. It's going to cost you more in fees than it will to actually buy the ticket. Yep, it is. I'm actually I'm pulling out my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> I'm donating to the university right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'll bring a candy bar and give it to somebody. Um, it'll cost me more. Uh, but yeah, that's that's horrible. Um, I don't know what else to say besides some. Technically, someone's got to win. I mean, literally, the loser of this game is the biggest trash. Yeah, man. I mean, at least at least Nebraska's got that win over Purdue. Yeah, this one for Northwestern, you might have to fire Chris Collins on the spot. Well, maybe we'll be there. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, guys, thank you for uh, sticking with us. We're we're pushing the two hour mark here, so thanks for sticking with us for an extra long one. Uh, first of twenty twenty. Wanted you to, to make the sure Sarahs. we caught up. Yes, thank you to the Sarahs for another great episode over the holidays. John and um, I took a took a completely undeserved vacation, but we are back in time for the Big Ten basketball season, and uh, I don't know, John. I'm pretty excited. Let's enjoy it because this week, enjoy the basketball guys because there will be plenty of enough of bitching about the football team to go yeah. around for eight more months. Yep, and we get to wait until September till we have to watch or August until we have to watch that. In the meantime, enjoy your great, great basketball program. Uh, all right, guys, thanks again for being with us and for John. This has been Austin, and we'll catch you next week. See ya.